Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> hello and uh, welcome to the Daily Bible Reading Show. Um, let's look at the book of Job. Logging to my computer. Opening up Bible Gateway. Turning to Job chapter, 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 chapter 8. All right, okay. Hello and welcome to the Daily Bible Reading Show. Uh, we're looking at Job chapter 8. Then Bildad. Ugh. Bildad the Shuhite answered and said, How long will you say these things and the words of your mouth be a great wind? So the words out of Job's mouth is like a great wind. It's hot air. And he doesn't like what is coming out of Job's mouth. It's like nonsense. It's offensive. And she says, How long? Why you keep talking this way, Job? You know, you are offending God. You're offending me through all your complaining about your suffering as if, you know, God is punishing you without reason. So Bildad, you know, Bildad is Job's friend. He's been hearing, hearing, hearing Job complain. And he is very unhappy. <laughs> he really doesn't like what he's hearing from Job. And he doesn't empathize. He doesn't empathize that Job has just been through so much suffering. He's agonizing as well with the question as to why he is suffering, you know, and Bildad just has had enough. And that's why, that's why he speaks up now. And he says, verse 3, Does God pervert justice or does the Almighty pervert the right? You know, same thing, you know, does God pervert justice? That means there's a right way of doing things and God changes it to the wrong way. He perverts this path, this order of things. And that's kind of like a reflection of what's going on in Job's life. You know, things have been going well. He's been honoring God and then it gets perverted. He experiences judgment. He says, can you really say that God did that? Or, you know, you, 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 you just look at the world and you see um, some great evil, this wrong that has fallen on someone who's innocent, and really, can you say that God did that? And it's kind of like a hypothetical question. He knows that the answer that he wants from Job is that, of course not. You know, God is just, God is good. God cannot be responsible for perverting justice, for doing wrong. And um, so what explanation then do you have when you do see this injustice, this wrong, this evil in the world? Verse 4. If your children have sinned against him. So if, if, then he has delivered them into the hand of their transgression. <laughs> so sin and transgression. So uh, it's cause and effect. Cause if, you know, if. They did something wrong. If they sin against God, they transgress against God. Even if it's your kid's job, you know, God will deliver them into the hand of their transgression, meaning they did this. You know, whatever judgment, it was by their own hand. You know, they caused this. They brought this upon themselves. So cause and effect, meaning you sin, you die. <laughs> you get judged by God. But remember, you know, he starts with your children, your, your, your children, Job, your children. And you need to remember that Job's children, his kids, just died days ago. And Job is mourning. 
he's grieving over their death. And here is his good friend coming along saying, you know what, the reason they died is because they sinned against God. Mm, Not very sensitive to say to someone at their funeral, yeah, they died because they deserved it. Please don't say that. Uh, Verse 5, if you, now turning to Job, if you will seek God, sounds a bit nicer, right? You know, if you will turn to God and plead with the Almighty for mercy, means beg God, oh, I'm so sorry, please have mercy on me. I'm sorry for what I've done, that kind of thing. If you are pure and upright, verse 6, surely then he will rouse himself for you. He'll get up, get up from his seat. You know, God won't sit down. God will straight away get up from his throne and restore your rightful habitation, your right place, your dwelling place. And uh, though your beginning was small, your latter days will be great. Ah, So again, that cause and effect. If you then turn back to God, if you say sorry, which is what he's trying to get Job to do. Job, you're complaining, you're saying you're innocent. Just say you're sorry. Just repent. You must have done something wrong. Just say sorry for that wrong. And you know what? There's an incentive. God will get up. God will bless you even more than he did before. He said your beginning was small. I remember Job was like the richest guy there was in the land. He says, you know what, that's small. You know, but if you were to turn back, take my advice, say sorry to God, God will bless you even more. So here is that incentive for Job to listen to Bildad, his buddy, his friend's advice, his sermon. <laughs> yeah, his sermon is it. If you say sorry, God will bless you. And you know what, it, it sounds very very reasonable. You sin, you get punished, you repent, you get forgiven, and you get blessed. It sounds very doctrinally correct. It sounds like the kind of sermon that you could preach on a Sunday in your church, and everyone would go, well, you know, a good sermon pastor. And it is kind of right, except, except that number one is very simplistic. You know, uh, if you're blessed, it's because you're doing the right thing. If you're judged, it's because you're doing the wrong thing. It's very cause and effect. But also, it ignores Job's condition. You know, he ignores the fact that Job has been blameless. You know, chapter one, blameless and upright. He's not only the most blessed, but he's also the most devout and obedient towards God. Ignores the fact that he's been suffering in a way that seems so overwhelming and just insensitive, you know talking about his kids, saying that they deserved the judgment that was upon them. You know, you don't say that kind of thing to a friend who is hurting and going through so much pain on the outside and the inside with his anguish and his questions. Build that again, just once to, well, shut Job up. (laughs) That's the purpose of him saying, how long will you say these things? You know, he just doesn't want to hear any more all these words from Job that offends him. And he wants to turn things around so that Job will stop saying these bad things and start saying all these good things. Say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, and God, you're right. And then, you know what, Bildad will feel as if, you know, all is right in the world again at the expense of loving his friend. Yeah, okay. Uh, blah, 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 verse 8, verse 8. For inquire, please, of bygone ages and consider what the fathers have searched out. For we are but of yesterday. We know nothing. 
and for our days on earth are a shadow. So our own experiences are limited. You know, we know nothing. Our days are as a shadow. But if you look back on history, hence verse 8, bygone ages, what the fathers have searched out. So he's about to bring across this evidence for everything that he's been putting for this cause and effect kind of simplistic view of how justice works in the world according to all of history yeah and so let's see what he says verse 10 will they not teach you and tell you and other words out of their understanding so bildad is saying it's not me it's not my wisdom you know let's look back at all the wisdom of the ages and he starts with verse 11 can papyrus grow where there is no marsh can weeds flourish where there is no water while yet in flower and not cut down they wither before any plant such are the paths of all who forget god the hope of the godless shall perish and i need to look at this again I, uh, uh, okay let's see on the one hand he says these plants can it grow without sustenance you know the papyrus needs the marsh is it a marsh, some swampy thing? I guess, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it needs to grow in very watery areas. Again, the reeds uh, by the river, by the lake, you know, grows. Can it grow if there's no water? So it needs a source. But then he turns it around, verse 12. While in flower uh, and not cut down, they wither before any other plant. So they have the sustenance, but then it's like taken away. And maybe, maybe, maybe what he's, he's kind of hinting at is the way that Job used to flourish and he used to be blessed and he used to have prosperity and then he gets cut down, just withered before everyone else. Such are the paths of all who forget God, the hope of the godless shall perish. Hence, <laughs> you have forgotten God. That's why, that's the reason why you have experienced this judgment. And I think what he's done is he's turned it on his head. So firstly, you know, he started with cause and effect, but now he's turned from effect, therefore, into the cause. So earlier on, you know, if you sin, you get judged. That's one thing. But now he's saying, if you're judged, therefore, you must have sinned. So I think there's an episode of West Wing where it says, you know, prost hoc ergo procter hoc. <laughs> some, I, I, I don't know what it is, some Latin meaning, some saying, therefore, you know, um, some, it, 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 this is the, uh, the effect, therefore, this must have been the cause. So therefore, Job, you know, you are being judged, therefore, you must have forgotten God. Job, you're suffering now, therefore, you must have done, you must have done something, said something silly, you must have thought something really sinful in your heart that caused you to perish like the godless, like those who forget God. Verse 14, his confidence is severed and his trust is a spider's web. He leans against his house, but it does not stand. He lays hold of it, but it does not endure. So he compares his house uh, to something that um, it doesn't stand, you know, um, yeah, and it does not endure. And he compares it to a spider's web. So his trust is a spider's web. So the thing that he is basing all his trust in, talking about Job, you know, Job, your trust in maybe your own righteousness, you know, the thing, you know, you're claiming that you're innocent, you know, you're blameless, you haven't done anything to sin and deserve this judgment, it's a spider's web. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't hold together. 
And that's why it's like a house that does not endure. This very, very structure of your argument, it does not hold water. Okay. Um, he's a lush plant before the sun, and his shoots spread over his garden. His roots entwine the stone heap. He looks upon a house of stones. If he is destroyed from his place, then it will deny him, saying, I have never seen you. Uh... What's this? I, I don't get it. Uh, the place will say, I've never seen you. <laughs> Somehow he's being denied by the very thing that he is trusting in. So his roots entwine the stone heap. He looks upon the house of stones. I don't know. Maybe he, he is describing how Job is looking towards a structure again, towards a kind of evidence that won't hold, that will in the end witness against him. I've never seen you. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Verse 19, Behold, this is the joy of his way, and out of the soil others will spring. So other people will take your place. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yep, three more verses. Verse 20, Behold, God will not reject the blameless man, nor take the hand of evildoers. He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouting. Those who hate you will be clothed with shame, and the tent of the wicked will be no more. So again, that incentive, you know, if you're blameless, God will not reject you. You know, he won't take the hand of evildoers and he will fill your mouth with laughter. You know, joyful days are yet to come. You will praise him. That's why I want to see you, Job, doing. I want you to be praising God in church. I don't want you to be saying all these offensive things. It's very unchristian, very un un unencouraging discouraging, <laughs> not encouraging, discouraging. That's why he's trying to get Job to say the right thing, to stop saying the wrong thing. And he says, those who hate you will be clothed with shame and the tent of the wicked will be no more. So God will remove all these critics, all these discouraging things from his life. And uh, how do we sum this up? You know, this very strong call for Job to just repent of his unrepentance. Again, it sounds very good. You know, here's a guy who's preaching repentance, you know, calling us to acknowledge God's goodness. Yeah. Except again, it is within the context of such dismissiveness. He doesn't want to hear anything that Job's saying to him. He doesn't want to entertain anything that sounds offensive to his ears. This is the kind of issue that he wants, he doesn't want to deal with. You know, he just wants the simplistic idea of, you know, if I'm doing well, I'm blessed. If I'm experiencing judgment, just say sorry. Don't care what it is. Just say sorry, and God will forgive you. Well, uh, uh, if we look uh, just to the first few verses, I know we're going beyond chapter 8 into chapter 9 territory, but I think it helps balance off what Bildad is saying to Job. You know, imagine someone saying this to you, saying, you know what? You're, just say you're wrong. Just say you're guilty. And then God will bless you because you'll be blameless, you'll be pure before him, and then God will restore you to his place. And, and you know, the temptation or the defense that will rise up inside you will be to say, but I am innocent. Isn't that what you hear in the court cases? I am innocent. I didn't do that bad thing. I don't deserve to be in jail. You, know, you plead your innocence. You plead your case. And I think, interestingly, Job doesn't do that. This is Job chapter 9, verse 1. Then Job answered and said, Truly I know it is so. 
Interesting, isn't it? Job starts out by agreeing with what Bildad is saying. I know what you're saying. I agree with you. But how can a man be in the right before God? Uh huh. So here is Job responding to Bildad's simplistic argument of the right person gets blessed, the wrong person gets cursed. And Job is saying, I agree with you. If that were true, then yeah, I should repent. But on one hand, how can anyone be in the right against God? And so you see here, Job is, 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 is providing a more complex you know, a view of the world where we see that actually even the people who are blessed, even the people who do well in the world, maybe, maybe they don't deserve the things that they've been blessed with. And maybe it comes not from their own goodness, but from God's grace. Now, if you can entertain that kind of idea that actually everything we have is not because of us, it's all from God's grace, then then you introduce that complexity into times when you suffer. The times when you suffer might not just be because of your sin. Now, you can be punished because of your sin, and there's kind of, there is a kind of cause and effect built into the world. You, know, you, you steal something, you get caught by the police, you get thrown into jail, that kind of thing. But there is also a category of suffering that isn't commensurate with your sin. In fact, if you're faithful, it might be possible for you to suffer as someone who's faithful. Suffer as someone who is suffering even more because they're faithful. And, and we know that as Christians because we know the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the sinless one. He was the pure one. He was the blameless one. And he died on the cross for our sins. And so we too as Christians are encouraged to pick up our cross and to suffer along with him. Yeah, so it introduces that complexity, but also it points forward to the cross, how someone will suffer for us. And when we look at his suffering, we will see not his sin, but his blamelessness. We will see our Savior, we will see Jesus on the cross. Yeah. So pulling it together, you know, build that, you know, he's preaching like the perfect sermon, like the very model sermon, but it's the kind of sermon that almost preaches good works. You know, you do good, you get blessed, but it ignores the grace of God upon those who are sinful and ignores the suffering of God upon those who are saved through his death on the cross. Yeah, I, I know it's not perfect, it's not perfect, but yeah, for what it's worth, that is Job chapter 8, um, that kind of sermon that comes from a place of anger. It comes from a place of dissatisfaction, that, of dismissiveness against his friend. But then a response towards that kind of simplistic view of God's world with a kind of complex and yet subtle uh, kind of pointer towards the cross, pointing, pointing towards Jesus' suffering that Actually, his suffering shows us that he was blameless. His suffering shows us that our suffering too has meaning through his death on the cross and his salvation on our behalf. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Job chapter 8. Thank you so much. Uh, that's almost a corrective towards us, you know, not to use sermons to shut people up, but really um, to be speaking tenderly and lovingly and graciously the gospel uh, to those especially who need to hear this good news, who need to see Jesus' scars and his suffering on our behalf. We 
we ask that you help us to point always to him. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Job chapter 8. Thanks for listening. Bye. Shh.